where the presence of the Lord is, is holy ground. Presence of the Lord here today? We are on holy ground. We are on holy ground. Wow. Did you ever think about that? Coming into this place and standing in the same kind of presence that Moses stood in. On holy ground. It's got to be absolutely amazing to understand that we can actually come into the presence of God. Father, this morning, we praise you. We thank you that you love us so much. We ask for your presence. Speak to us, Lord. We pray. Amen. For the last couple of weeks, I've been sharing on the theme of rethinking our mission as a church. And Jesus has given us a mission. We've been trying to think through it. I know what happens in our, in our lives, it, it happens to me too, is, is over time we tend to build these little boxes. We get to know a little bit about God and we get to practice and worship and then we start to build these boxes and, and, and once these boxes have kind of been made, we climb into these boxes and before long, these boxes begin to become very comfortable. And then it becomes very hard to see anything but these boxes. One of the things about boxes that we make is that they become very restrictive. They become very confined. One thing we do know is that Jesus was not confined by boxes. Jesus was not confined by man. Jesus was not confined by culture. Jesus didn't have any boxes. Over the last couple of weeks, I've, I've shared some things that have maybe been a little bit on the difficult side. Some things that probably have challenged you. Maybe there were even some things that you disagreed with. I, I don't want to interfere into church culture. It does have its place. But we do want to get rid of the boxes. My intention is not to burden us. But my intention and my desire is to impassion you to impassion you on the mission that Jesus has given us. In the midst of all of these admonishing words and challenges, we also need to be lifted up. Uh, we can't hear a message that, that takes us to a place and, and, and we really begin to work. We get tired. And there are times when we need to be lifted up. We need to be picked up 
And so with God's help, I want to do that today. I want you to feel and sense and know that you have this confidence in the relationship that you have with the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, I want to build you up. But I want to start with Hebrews chapter 10. If you have your Bible and you want to follow along, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, uh, beginning in verse 19 to 25. Here in this passage, beginning in verse 19, the Apostle Paul writes that, or the, the Hebrew, the, the writer of Hebrews, I'm not sure if it's the Apostle Paul or not. Uh, some people think it is, but it's the writer of Hebrews, and he says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who, is promised, who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage. Let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Encouraging. Encouraging. There's different kinds of encouragement. But the one we want to do today is to lift you up. All of us are here this morning. We, we, we've gathered together. Uh, you're, you're sitting in these pews. We're all sitting in these. Well, actually, I'm not sitting, but you guys are sitting in the pews. I'm standing. But we're here. And that's, that's the most important thing is that we've gathered together. We're together as one. One church gathered for the same purpose, to glorify God. But before we came here this morning, each one of us made a choice. The choice was yours. You made a choice to come and to be here this morning. And you didn't fear. There was no fear of coming into this place this morning. There were no threats that were made against you. Uh, no one tried to stop you from coming into this place of worship today. You freely entered this place on your own accord. Each of us entered this place with an expectation. When we come, we expect to meet God. We expect to worship him. We anticipate the experience of drawing close to God. That's why we come. And if your heart's been open, guaranteed, today you will come away with a slice of God in your life. You will walk out of this place with a little more of God than you had when you came. You see, the Christian life is meant to be 
experiential. God wants you to experience him. God wants the Christian life to be exceptional. Far beyond anything anyone else in this world can experience. He wants you to experience in him in a very powerful, powerful way. The Christian life is meant to be so outstanding that it changes you. And it changes the people around you. God has so much for us. He has so much for every single believer. Now I know that there are circumstances and you might say to yourself, well, I struggle a little bit with this idea of of this growing, abundant, outstanding Christian life. We all have times when we struggle. But maybe you haven't discovered yet how amazing How amazing your life in Christ can be. I know for myself, since I have accepted the Lord into my life, I would never go back to where I was. I've experienced far more joy, far more of anything that I'd ever experienced in life since I've met Jesus than anything else. There have been tough times in my life, our lives. But it doesn't take away from the joy and the abundance that God has for me. So this morning, if you're strolling around in the fog here, I want to take you up to cloud nine. I can't take you to cloud ten because that's Jesus' job. He's got to take you the rest of the way. But I want to, in some way, lift you up. The writer in Hebrews says in verse 22, he says, Let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. Let us draw close to him with a sincere heart full of assurance. Draw near to God with with all assurance. Wow. The most important thing for us as Christians is the Word of God. The Word of God gives us understanding of of who we are in Christ Jesus. If we don't have God's Word, we wouldn't know where to go. We wouldn't know how to find Him. We wouldn't be able to draw close to Him. But through the Word of God, It allows us to come into his presence. Into his presence. Knowing who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ will change the way you live. It'll change the way you act. It will change the way that you respond to all the people around you. Knowing who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ will cause you to rise above all the adversity, all the trouble, all the hardship that you experience. Having said that, it's also true that not understanding our identity in Jesus will hold you back. It'll hold you back. And there are things in our lives that hold us back. 
When I came to know the Lord, I had a good friend in Christ. Got to know him. Uh, he, he's quite the card. Uh, he does it naturally. He doesn't have to work at it. Uh, when we are at weddings and we're sitting at his table, he, he gets not only his table, but all the tables around him laughing and enjoying themselves and people across the room wanting to be at this table. It's just the personality he has. But he also has a struggle. Couldn't give up smoking, no matter how hard he tried. But you know what? I believe that that hampered his relationship with the Lord. Because I think he could only go so far until he could sacrifice the cigarette. Christ couldn't get more in his life. Can't. He struggled with his identity in Christ because of that addiction. Not understanding our identity will keep us from living a more joyful and fruitful life. You will not be empowered to enjoy the privileges and the riches of God's kingdom. But knowing the Lord Jesus Christ gives you confidence knowing that you belong to him, knowing that you have, have this understanding that there's this overwhelming assurance of certainty that is at work in you. And it causes you to, to draw closer and closer to him. We also have the Holy Spirit that is inside of us. And that Holy Spirit confirms confirms and communicates to, the, to us this sense that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know we are in Christ. We are covered by God's blessing. We have an eternity that starts here and now today. We have an identity that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified in Christ and I no longer live but, the life, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We have an identity in Jesus. We have an identity in our fellow Christians, with our fellow believers. We have an identity in the kingdom of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 to 7 says this, But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. By grace. By grace. And God raised up Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We have an identity. Your life, your purpose, your future is established 
in Jesus Christ. Your life, your purpose, your future is established in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? Do you realize that that all hinges on Jesus? It all hinges on him. There's nothing that you can do except to hold on to him. He's the only one who's going to take you forward. Ephesians 2 confirms that. We are seated with Christ. The world no longer has a hold on you. It doesn't have a hold on you. As long as you're holding on to Jesus, the world can't latch on to you. Sometimes we, we struggle with this identity that we have. We have this identity problem and we struggle. Instead of identifying with Jesus, circumstances in our life often causes us to focus on problems instead of Jesus. Problems do confront us. We may have financial problems. We may have marriage problems or crisis. We might have uh, family issues that we have to deal with. We might have addiction issues. And they, and they take our focus away from Christ. And, and we don't identify with Jesus anymore. We identify with this problem that we have. In fact, I, I find it kind of interesting very often when, you know, I meet somebody and I say, well, who are you? And, and, and you know what I get for an answer often? I'm a teacher. Uh, I'm a plumber. I'm an electrician. Uh, I'm a technician. Well, that's not who they are. That's what they do. You see, they identify themselves by what they do, not by who they are. I'm not a pastor. But pastoral ministry is what I do. I am a child of Christ. He has empowered me to minister. That's what I do. It's not who I am. Some others you might say, well, you know, who are you? And they might tell you, well, I'm a diabetic. Or uh, I'm a quadriplegic or, or, or something to that effect. That's not who they are. That's the illness they have. But there is a tendency to identify themselves with that. And they've got to stop doing that. When you are asked, who are you? It's about your name. It's about your name. If somebody says, well, who are you? Well, I'm the son of Mr. Popke. <laughs> That's who I am. In my earthly being, I am my father's son. But when somebody says, who are you? They're asking you for more than that. They're asking you about your values. They're asking you about your purpose, about your mission, about the passion that you have. They want to know who you are, not what. Who you are. And our identity can only be in one of three places. The first one is you're lost. If you're lost, your identity 
is in this world. Who you identify with or what you identify with is the things of this world. That's what you identify with. Which means that you really don't know who you are because the world is so vast and confused that, yeah, you don't know who you are. That's why you're lost. The second thing that you might identify with is your identity with the evil one. And in that case, you definitely know who you are. If you have an identity with the evil one, you know who you are. And the third one is our identity in Christ. And you know you are a child of God. If your identity is in Christ, you know that you belong to God. If you're lost in this world, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25 says this. There is a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. People are lost in the world. They're looking for something. And they're trying to find everything in this world that can bring satisfaction. But in the end, the Bible tells us it leads away from God. That's the way of the world. Carnal pleasures are for the moment, not for eternity. And carnal pleasures almost always lead to destruction. They don't lead us to anywhere good. And at the end of life, they, they lead, lead, leave us totally empty. They leave us godless. I had a professor who did a study, and he went into scripture and he pulled out all of this, the, the words that related to eternity in hell. And he compiled them together and he wrote them out. And it was wonderful to read because as you read these words, it, it gave you this picture, this picture of, of eternal loneliness. It gave you this picture of, 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 of not only being alone, but this ever-expanding loneliness and darkness. Further and further away from everything you ever desired. It gave you this understanding that you would be alone for eternity. An agonizing eternity, a fearsome place. Jesus affirmed this in Matthew chapter 8, verse 12. He says, they will be cast into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's not a place I want to go. I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to go towards the light. Having faith in Jesus, we have the assurance of eternal life. We have his promise. God has never broken a promise. God's promises are true. John chapter 3 verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Do you believe in the Son of God? You have eternal life. It's guaranteed. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life for God's wrath remains on him. Believing in Jesus, we are destined. We are destined 
to live with hope, with confidence, with joy, with fulfillment in this life and the life to come. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says this. He says, he has come so that we may have life and have it to the full. Your life in Christ is intended to be lived fully, even here and now. The book of Revelation confirms our presence in heaven, in the eternal. It it confirms that we are going to be together with all the heavenly hosts. We're going to be together with all of the saints. We are going to be together in the presence of God. And it confirms that we have a relationship. We will have an interaction with our community. And we will also have this willingness and this desire, this passion to serve one another and to serve God. It's not something that, you know, some people say, well, what are we going to do in heaven? Uh, I don't want to continue working. I've worked long enough here on earth. But I think when we get to heaven, there's going to be this passion. You're not going to want to sit. You're going to want to serve. That's what you're going to have inside of you. Everything inside of you is going to say, I need to do something to glorify God. You know what? That life begins here. Here and now. When we believed and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, everything has changed. Even your identity has changed. In Jesus, you have a new identity. In Jesus, you have a new identity. And it's not a technician. It's not a plumber. It's not an office clerk. You have a new identity. You are sons and daughters of the great I am. You are sons and daughters of the great I am. Can we comprehend that? I have trouble comprehending that, but that is what the Bible tells us. We are sons of the great I am and daughters of the great I am. Belonging to Jesus, the Bible confirms and assures us this. We are new creatures. We are the righteousness of God. We have been healed and made whole. We have been made rich. We are accepted. We are free from sin. But these are some of the things that we are. And there's far more. There's far more. In Jesus, we have a new identity. We have a new home. We have an eternal position in God's kingdom. I don't know if we can really comprehend that. Kind of mind-boggling. Sometimes when I sit down and I think about it, I go, wow, it's hard to believe. Here's something that Kenneth Hagin says. He says this. He says, instead of lost, you are now called found. You're no longer lost. You are now called found. Instead of a sinner, you are called a Christian. Wow. I'm glad to be a Christian rather than a sinner. Instead of an enemy, you are called a friend. Jesus calls you friend. That's amazing. When I think of all the things that I did to Jesus, 
and he still calls me friend? Wow. Instead of being unrighteous, you are deemed righteous. Instead of sick, you are called healed. Instead of being poor, you have been given riches. Wow. I'm rich. (laughs) You're rich. We're rich. There's nothing in the world that could replace what God has for us. There's nothing we could exchange for what God has for us that would equal the riches that he has given us. There's so much more that we don't comprehend or understand. And, and, and I don't know, for me, it's like, wow, <laughs> this is my God. This is who I identify with. This is the one who loves me. I deserved it. I didn't deserve it. Undeservingly, he has grabbed a hold of me and he says, I want you. I want to embrace you. I want to take you into my kingdom. I want to give you everything that I have. To me, we should be dancing. Really, we should be dancing. We should should be jumping up and down. We should be excited about the fact that, that God has chosen us. What if the queen of England came into here and said, I want to choose one of you for my personal servants. We would jump right away. That's what God wants from us. He's saying, I want you. And we should jump at the opportunity. I have some passages or some some things that, that Neil Anderson in his book, Victory Over Darkness, has put together. And... I have some copies here because I think it would encourage you and, and maybe some of you want them. They're, I'm going to leave them there for you to take uh, after the service. And, and if there isn't enough, I'm very willing to print as many as of, of them as you want because I think they're powerful. Neil Anderson asked the question, he says, who am I? That, that's, that's saying for us to ask. Who am I? And he starts with this passage, or he starts with with Exodus, and he says, I am not the great I am. I am not God. And I realize that. I'm not God. But that's a great starting point. I'm not God, but here is who I am. And I'm not going to read all of them. I'm just going to read some of them. He says, he starts here with saying, I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. That's what Jesus has deemed for you. I am a child of God. I am a Christ's friend. I am the son or daughter of God. God is spiritually my father. I am joint heirs with Christ. I am a temple, a dwelling place of God. His spirit, his life dwells in me. I am a new creation. I am reconciled to God. I am a minister of reconciliation. Wow. I am at work bringing other people into the same kingdom. I am a saint. I am God's workmanship. I am righteous and holy. I am a citizen of heaven. I am chosen of God, holy and dearly loved. I am a son, a daughter of the light and not of darkness. I'm a member of a, of a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. And I like how he finishes it. He says, I am born of God. 
I wouldn't be here if I wasn't born of my mother and father. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't born of God. Wow. I like as uh, Neil Anderson continues, and I want to read some of these too, because he says, now since I am born of God, since I am in Christ by the grace of God, I have been completely justified, completely forgiven, made righteous. I have received the spirit of God in my life. Since I have died, I no longer live for myself, but for Christ. I've been crucified in Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live now, I'm living in Christ's life. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I have been rescued from the dominion of Satan. The debt against me has been canceled. Christ himself is in me. Christ himself is in me. Christ himself is in you. He is in you. He is in you. If you believe in him and trust him, he is in you. This isn't a promise. This is a condition. This is where Jesus is alive and, at, and living and at work. Knowing who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ changes how you act changes what you say, changes how you respond, changes the things that you do. Because there is a reaction to Jesus living in you. Changes the way you see things. Changes the way you see others. Do we see Jesus in one another? I remember a story just kind of came to me. There was a woman who just did not, she was not very pretty. And there was nothing about this woman that was appealing. And when somebody spoke to this woman, she smiled. This person noticed she had perfect teeth. There's something beautiful about every person. In Christ, we find that beauty. We find the beauty in every person who is in Christ. Indeed, this should cause us just to love Jesus more. It should cause us to be from, you know, standing on, on this ground to standing on holy ground. And I don't know about you, but if, if I'm standing on holy ground, it's not on this earth. It's on cloud nine. And the only person who's going to get me to cloud ten is Jesus. I want to leave you with that thought. Your identity is in Jesus. You belong to God because you are born of God. May you take that with you today, tomorrow, next week, next month, until the day you reach glory.
Amen. Father, how wonderful you are. I, I can't believe it. I, I, I know it's there and I, I must believe it. And I have my identity in you. But still it is so overwhelming, so amazing. And I, and I know that at times I struggle. We all struggle with this identity that we have. Lord, in our times of struggle, let us come back to your word. Let us come back to your promises. Let us understand and know who we are in you. And allow your Holy Spirit to take us from any low level we might have into the clouds with you. Father, we praise you because when we come to that realization. Lord, that's the moment. The moment that, that we join the saints in heaven and fall on the ground, prostrate before you. Holy, holy, holy are you, O Lord God Almighty. Amen. That you should look at me and value me and that I am so privileged. Lord, in moments like these, we just want to break out in worship. Just want to break out in worship. Let's stand as we break out in worship and praise with this closing song in moments like these.